Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, therefore. Now, the word therefore is very important because the word therefore is used as a transitional statement by itself of going from chapter 11 into chapter 12. We understand chapter 11 is full of the heroes of faith. All right, you have, if you get some time uh, today or this week, take a look at that chapter and you'll be able to understand a little bit more as to why or where we're going. But it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Somebody say everything. everything. That hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Here's how I kind of interpret this entire scripture. It's kind of like a marathon. All right. Your spiritual journey is a marathon. But let's think there for a moment. You've, we've all seen highlights of marathons or seen segments of them on, on television or media of some sort. And you always have these, these runners that are running through a city street or they're running through, they're running through a trail of some sort. But you have people on the sides of the road. And those are spectators, but they're also doing something very important. What is that? They're cheering on the runners. Typically, they don't have a favorite runner, but they're there what? They're motivating and they're cheering everyone on who's on that journey or, who, or rather who is in that race. One of the things that I've always found to be interesting about that uh, and watching that is more times than none is what? They usually have a bottled water or a cup of water and they're not looking for any particular individual, just anybody who will run by, take it, get a refreshing to help them on to what? The next stage of the marathon. And we really can take a look at this scripture and understand that we have people who are cheering us on in this life that we call a journey, especially spiritually. And what we are looking at is different giants throughout scripture. Today, our focus is gonna to go to the one and we're gonna pull her out of the stands, so to speak, of the hall of fame of faith, and that is Rahab. One that we possibly would not look at as being as an individual who would be mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, what's interesting about Rahab is that she was a prostitute and she actually ends up, listen to me, being one of the great grandmothers of Jesus himself. There's a lot of hope for all of us in there, right? So how does a person go from this stage of life to literally becoming a part of the genealogy or her blood flowing through the very veins of who? Our Messiah himself. What in the world would she have to say to you and I that would encourage us or better us in this life journey? Maybe she would say that my life didn't start out very well and who, who in here could possibly bear witness to you've, been, you've had a season of life where you could say, I wasn't proud of that. I was not excited about that season and I'm glad that season is gone. But then there could be some here who could be going, you know what, I'm going through a season right now that I am just not excited about. And I think that Rahab, I believe she would have some advice to us for when you are dealing or feeling disappointed within your own life. Like this could not be possible 
what I'm living could not be possibly what God had envisioned or planned or thought of or willed for my life, all right? Psalm 139, it's not in your scriptures or in your notes rather, but it says that all the days for you were what? Written in God's book before one of them came to be. So that leaves us to suggest this. And that is my life is a story. But pastor, let, let, me, let me understand that. If God has written out the pages of my life, then the mess that I'm going through and the disappointment that I may have lived or may be living in has been orchestrated by God and written by him. No, that's not the case. Because oftentimes what we do is take the pen out of God's hand and put the pen in our own hand. And we begin to write chapters into how we think they should be within our lives. And so truly what we are doing as we looked at in week one of this series is we're taking control out of God's hand and placing control into our hand, but then looking back and simply really not liking what we have written. Really not excited about that. Rahab would come along and say to us possibly that her story has started out horribly. See, we don't know, I'm gonna give you some back information here, or backstory. We don't know why she started in the profession that she started. We don't know why she was a prostitute. We don't know, you know, was she forced into it? Did she choose this lifestyle? We don't know. Did she al allow herself to be engulfed in it? We don't know. How did all of this for her life come to be? We simply don't understand, but I guarantee, guarantee that during her life's journey, just like for many of us, that she felt shame at times, possibly felt embarrassment, possibly felt what guilt, like how in the world did my life get to this place? How did I get to where I am today? And many of us watch this. We have all looked at that either now in your life or at a season of your life where you've looked back and gone, I don't understand how things got so out of control, but it simply did. I'm gonna help you out. It's because you took the pen out of God's hand and you put it in your hand and you begin to write your own chapters of your story according to how you thought they should go. What I love about the story of Rahab it is, it is a story that just brings a lot of positivity toward the end of it. And that is simply this, and I've already mentioned it, that she became, throughout all of this, throughout all of her life events that were disappointing, throughout all of her life events that she looked, she looked at and felt the shame, felt the guilt, felt the embarrassment, that she was able to still, allowing God to use her, in placing her into the genealogy of who Jesus was to be, and that is our Messiah. So what can we learn from Rahab? It's simply this, let God write your story. Give God control of that pen, allow God to do that. Now, you know, the next verse, um, and, and this, 
I don't, I don't have that listed here for you, but the next verse after our theme verse in verse two, the word simply tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the what? The author and the perfecter of our faith. There must be a moment in your life where you will begin to realize that you must get the pen out of your hand and back into whose hand? God's hand. So what we're gonna do for the next few moments is we're gonna look at her story. And we're gonna look at a key, few keys as to what it looks like to let God write your story. So this first one would be this. God searches for you to be in his story. The way that God rewrites your story is by him initiating the process. Now, here's what I love about God. God never throws himself and makes himself be on anyone. Understand that. But he's always open and always responds to the invitation. Listen to that statement again. God never throws himself and makes himself or forces himself on anyone. But if you invite him, watch this. I love, I'm going to rephrase it this way. He has to accept. He must accept. It's in his character. It's in his being. It's who he is. Now, this is exactly what had happened to Rahab right in the middle of our darkness that God comes searching for her, for her story to be a part of his story. Now here's some back information. Joshua is now leading Israel. Moses is gone, he is dead, and they're looking to reclaim the land that had been promised to them. So let's jump into scripture here in our story in Joshua chapter two, verse one. And this is what the word of God says. It says, then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now, Rahab was seeking, was not rather seeking for them, but however, they were searching for her. In fact, uh, we see throughout this at the very place that they snuck into the city of Jericho, these spies, so happened to be her house. Now I wanna stop there for a second. Now, a lot of times we'll go, well, that just happened accidentally within our lives. That that just so happened to be within our, have you ever said that before? Have you ever felt that like, well, that was just a coincidence. Really, was it? Was it a coincidence or was God kind of fitting the pieces together to form something that he had planned for your life? Think about that. We see that right here in this story. That look, God for you in your life has been saying this a bunch of times that he has got a better plan and a better write-up than you do for your life. Revelations actually tells us that God will stand at the what door of your heart and knock. Now at any time, being the creator and all-powerful and Everything that he is, he could bust down that door anytime he would choose to. How about this Sunday, right? How about today? Have you ever been in church and you've just felt the weight like you were supposed to do something more? Have you ever felt the leading of God's spirit within your life and you know that there's something bigger, that there's something better, that there's something more of a purpose for your life than what you're currently doing? How about this? I'll never forget February the 6th, 1997. You guys won't either. 
because I don't let you forget it. Some of you of your visitors, that's the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. I remember sitting in, in, a, uh, in a youth uh, Winterfest service and just enjoying it, being with my youth group. My dad's a pastor. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm growing up, I'm, uh, you know, and, and I think I was 17 years old, somewhere around there. And, and you know, my youth pastor's there and, and then all these other, you know, uh, friends of my father all around. And, and I'm sitting there and I knew I wasn't living my life for Jesus Christ. I had never truly given myself over to him. And, and I remember sitting in that moment and I'm feeling that tug. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about on that? Feeling that tug within my heart, feeling that tug within my spirit. And, and what was so interesting to me about it was that tug was so familiar to me because I felt it so many other times in my life, but never truly gave myself over to it. But you guys have been there within your lives more than likely where you felt the leading of the Holy Spirit, God leading you. And I remember sitting there that, that evening, that it was a Friday night, I think it was a Friday night or Saturday night, it was one of them. And I was sitting there and the invitation had, had come to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And I was like, oh, I'm good, we're, we're straight, everything's great. Don't wanna step forward, I'm feeling the tug, don't wanna embarrass myself, don't wanna embarrass my family, everybody thinks I'm okay. And uh, I remember we were, my youth pastor was taking us and we were leaving that arena and uh, I got to the edge of the door and, and I've told you guys this before, this is overwhelming feeling just about knocked me on my butt. You know what I mean? Said, if you walk out of here, this is your last opportunity. And I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. I looked at my youth pastor and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll catch up with you guys in a minute. And I turned around, I didn't even tell him, you know what I mean? I just, I gotta go here. I gotta go take care of something. And so I, as I was uh, walking away from that moment, and, and I, in my mind, I'm going, most people are already left now. I'll, I'll go down to the front and I'm gonna to respond to this altar moment and I'm gonna give my life over to Jesus. Nobody's gonna see me. This is gonna be perfect. And sure enough, I've got to the center of it and I start making my way like halfway down and there's this dude, his, you know, his name is Rodney. He's a big old guy. He's kind of like David Reed. That was, you, you know, David Reed. This big old guy, he was standing right there in the middle and he had like, you know, you know how the, some people have the, that bubbly personality that, you know, when things are going bad in your life, you just want to slap them because they're so positive. You know what I'm saying? This was that guy, right? And he was a youth pastor, just like a town away from us. And he's standing there with his arms wide open going, come on, I've been waiting on you. Come on, Jesus is here. And I remember I was walking down that aisle and I was going, oh man. And as I got, man, it was just like the, 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 the barriers that I had just built up in my life started just kind of like crumbling. And before I even got to him, sorry, I get emotional just thinking about it. Before I even got to him, tears are down his face, tears are down my face. He just grabs me and hugs me. He goes, all you got to say is Jesus. And I just let it out as just hard as I could. And that's all I could do. And I just melted in that moment. And in that moment, Jesus transformed my life forever. Amen. You know, I say that because some of you, maybe it's not because of salvation. Maybe you've already given your life to Christ. Maybe you haven't. That could be you today. Don't worry, I'm not done, all right? I got more points to go, just hang on. 
But maybe God has been dealing with you on some things within your life, your habits, your, the, the, the things that you're allowing yourself to be a part of. How about this callings on your life? God is speaking to us, and he's inviting himself, but he never pushes himself on us, but he has to always, what, accept the invitation. John 15 and 16 says, you do not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. In other words, what is God saying there? I've got great plans for your life. Second thing that we could learn from her is this. God always makes a way for us to be in what? His story. It wasn't enough for them to be what? In our house. But they had to get away in order for them to be in a rewrite of what was dark in her story. Who's her? Rahab. Here are these guys. They had spied out the land and then they returned to Rahab's house and they said to her, look, don't tell anybody what we have just done. Don't tell anybody that we have been here because here's what we're going to do. We're going to crawl right back out of this window. We're going to go right back to where we came from and we're going to return with an army that's going to simply destroy this place. Could you just imagine the thoughts? Possibly that could have been going through Rahab's mind. Oh my gosh. I believe them. There's no question. But what am I going to do? Look at the life I'm living. It's an embarrassment. I'm embarrassed over myself. I'm not pleased with what I'm doing. What in the world is going to happen to me? So she responds. She says, look, I don't want to die. And so they're like, well, here's what you got to do. This whole wall is going to come down, but we will make sure that you and your family is saved. And here's what you got to do. Let's take a look at verse, verses 17 through 21. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the land that you have tied this scarlet cord in the window. Now, in other words, they're saying, if you want to be saved, you need to take this scarlet cord and tie it around your window. Understanding that the scarlet cord is mentioned all throughout scripture. Why? Because it is a sign of the cross. It is what? The blood of Jesus that does what? It makes a way. It makes a way. So we're seeing here every reflection of Christ. Now, it goes on to say, through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and your mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside of your house into the street, your blood will be on their head, on, on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on your head if a hand is laid on them. But if you will tell them what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now I'm gonna stop there because I wanna say something very specific and that is this. If God gives instruction, you need to follow it. Understand that. If God gives specific details, we need to adhere to that and we need to follow it. It's, it's not enough to do a partial will of God. Are you following me here? It's not enough to, to start out in the journey and expecting the outcome, but missing everything in between. 
You can't do that. When God gives specific instruction, we must follow that. Now remember, if you remember the rest of the story, what happens? The walls come tumbling down except for one section. Can you picture that in your mind? Because her house was where? In the wall, wasn't it? It was there. And, and the promise was given that if she obeyed, that what her and her family, her home, what would happen to that? It would be saved. There would, Rahab applied what God did for her as a way out in her story. She followed the specific details. One sliver of the wall is left, and that is because her and her family was saved because she was simply being obedient. So let me help you out. If you don't like the story that is being written in your life, there is a way out. If you're not satisfied, or let's take it even further. If you know that God is not satisfied with the story that you're living out, there is a way to correct this. There is a way for this what to come back around and that way is simply through who? Jesus Christ. Listen, you can keep on writing all you want, but all it's going to do is get what? Darker and darker and darker. The Bible says that Jesus has this unique ability to take all of our bad days and turn them around for the good. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know that in what? All things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been what? Called according to his purpose. So what will God do? God will take care of your dark story, no matter what you have decided within your own life. As long as you come to the knowledge, as long as you come to the understanding, as long as you come to a point or to a moment of repentance to allow him to turn this whole thing around for his good, which ultimately will become your good. So not only was Rahab and her family completely saved, but she had no idea who she was to be. She thought that the extent of her story more than likely was already over. She had no vision of what was going to be or who she would eventually be tied to. And that is who? Jesus himself. So we can look at next. God's story has a redemptive ending, meaning better than you think it is. Oftentimes, I've, I've heard people say this so many times, well, I need to get things right before I allow God to begin to work. Again, we're writing our own story. What part of this are we not understanding? The more that you're involved, the more dark it's gonna be. Or rather, let me say this, the more that you're in the lead, the more dark it's gonna be. We need to get to the spot where we are fully letting go and allowing God to take full control of our story and say, Lord, you write it because you have the best chapters. You have the best story. You have the best plan. You have the best will for me. Now, giving your heart to Jesus is not the end of your spiritual journey, but it's simply the beginning of your spiritual journey. Rahab is like the 28th, 27th great-grandmother of Jesus. The next time that her name is even mentioned in Scripture 
is in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, where she is listed along with Jesus' genealogy. Understanding here that Matthew, what do we know about Matthew? He was a tax collector. Before he was ever what? A disciple. And we know tax collectors were not looked highly upon in Scripture. They were looked very poorly upon. And here you have, and when you think, when you think of Matthew, what do you think of? Well, I think of a disciple, and I think of the first book in the New Testament. And that's about as far as it typically gets. But what you need to understand is Matthew does something very strategic. He begins to list, and, and as you go through the scriptures, and watch this, he lists 42 grandfathers of Jesus' beginning with Abraham. But we only see four grandmothers mentioned. All right, so why four? Why are these four mentioned? Now, remember, Matthew was what? He was a tax collector, all right? He had a very bad reputation up until Jesus got involved or up until he allowed Jesus to get involved in his life. So Matthew chapter one, verse uh, three, then five through six says, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose name was Tamar. Now, if you wanna hear a story, read that in Genesis chapter 38. All right, there's the first one mentioned, okay? She's mentioned, she's got a very dark story, but yet she's in the what? Genealogy of Christ, she's in the line. So what is that? It's a redemptive story. All right, let's continue. Uh, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. We know a little bit about her already, don't we? She was a prostitute. Then Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Understand this, Ruth wasn't even Jewish. She was an outsider, but yet invited in and still a part of whose line? Jesus's genealogy. Are you seeing this here? There's people who allow their stories to be written by themselves and until they allow God to write their stories. All right, let me continue. All right. Things work in my mind differently than sometimes how it comes out. All right. Here we go. Obed, the father of Jesse, verse six, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Who was she? Bathsheba. Here you have four women, four great grandmothers of Jesus who had pasts that they were not proud of. But God through it used this as a redemptive story. Now watch this. Why are these four names listed? Watch, God will forgive the darkest sin. We see that through Tamar. God will use you regardless of your past. We see that with Rahab. God will not leave anyone out. We see that with Ruth. God can heal any situation and any relationship. And we see that with who? Bathsheba. God wants you to understand that. That's why it's in that scripture. In those scriptures. God wants you to know that he can turn your story completely Around. So how, what do we do? How do we do this? What do we do now? Number one, God invites you to be a part of his story. Now watch this, join him. How hard is that? How difficult is that? Stop resisting God. Stop resisting the move of his spirit. You know who you are. Your heart has been what? Simply racing, even in this moment, even as you've been sitting here. John chapter eight, verse 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, 
He said this, I am the light, meaning I can bring light into your story, right? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Some of you who are sitting here today, right now you need the, this light. I love it in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 24 says this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must do what? Deny themselves. What does that really mean? Take your hands off. Get the pen out of your hand. Let me, let me just stop right there for a second. Get the pen out of your hand. Rhetorical question, don't answer it. Think of it. Are you satisfied with where your life is right now? Or let, let's, let's, let's think of it this way. Are you fulfilling what God has purposed and planned and willed for your life up to this point? Are you doing, are you making preparation to continue to flow in God's perfect what will plan for your life? Let's continue reading in that scripture. And says, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will what? Lose it. You will feel like you're losing it, trust me. Sometimes it's like jumping out of an airplane, you know, trusting you, God. But it goes on to say, but whoever does what? Whoever loses their life for me will save it. In other words, what? Give your story to God. He can do more with it than you could ever. Have you ever read a boring book? I started one. It was like two and a half years ago. I'm not done it yet because I'm just getting nothing out of it. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there, right? And it's a spiritual book, you know what I'm saying? And I love the author. His other books were great. And I'm just going, I'm just not getting this. I can't get nowhere with it. And so what ends up happening, I just kind of toss it aside and move on, you know? And, and I go into something else that God's leading me to, 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 to be a part of. Check this out. Some of your lives, man, are boring. I'm not talking, you know, yesterday, it was crazy. We had no plans for yesterday. And so, well, let me tell you a little bit about what we did. Andrews got this great idea. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's take the boys on the bike ride. We'll, we'll throw the bikes in the back of the truck. We'll go over to the beach and onto the trail and we'll ride. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this can't be bad. This, this has gotta be, a, this, this is safe, you know? And so I go and I, I drag the bikes out of the shed, you know, and I go over and I pump air into them and I've got them all ready. They're in the back of the truck and uh, the boys are excited. You know, they can't wait to get out there on their bike and ride and, and all this stuff. And I'm going, yeah, you know, we'll be fine. So we get there and I'm unloading all their bikes. You know, Caden's getting his helmet on and all this stuff and he's ready to go. And uh, I go to grab my bike, my tires are flat. Are you serious? Like, how does that happen to me? I made sure they were full when I put it in the back of the truck. Now they're flat. So they all take off. And here I am, I'm in flip-flops, right? Walking this entire trail. And then when Caden gets tired, he just stops, gets off the bike, waits for me to catch up to push it up the hills. You know, I think that was the plan of God. I'm not sure. But so we get back 
And uh, we're done. We're done. You know, I'm all hot and sweaty. They're all like, oh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, enjoy your ride. And uh, so we get back and I put everything away. Didn't even, she's like, let's go to Walmart. Get your tires. No, I don't like Walmart. I'd rather sit on the couch and be bored. And that's exactly what happened. I sat there bored. And I thought to myself this, and I said, man, you know what? That's some of our lives when we're not allowing God to be the author of our book, of our story. Man, it gets just plain out boring. But when God gets involved in it, it adds that spice. It adds that excitement. It adds that joy. Because I promise you this, there's nothing like living in a season of your life when you know that you're in the perfect will and plan of God. There's a joy that you just cannot define that comes over your life. And it could be the most treacherous moments and seasons you could be going through, but your faith is not one time shaken. Your, your what, excitement, your, your emotional happiness is not shaken. Why? Because you have Jesus. And what is he doing? He's writing your story. So what does that tell us? We need to give our life over to him. So secondly, God wants to surprise you with his love. So accept him. God intentionally picks some of the darkest people or the darkest stories that we see in scripture and he uses them. Look, I've got a dark story. You've got dark stories. And God has used your story somewhere along the way to make an impact in either somebody's life or a group of people's lives. Check this out. Why did God use Moses, a stutterer and a murderer? There's a dark story there, right? Why did God use David and adultery? You've heard these things before. Why did God allow two-thirds of the New Testament to be written by a murderer of Christians? Paul, there's no place that you can go away from the love of God that he cannot come in and rescue you and pull you out of. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to input what? empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In other words, what? He understands. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. Confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this brings us to number three. God wants you to love others with your actions. So what does that mean for us to do? Serve him. God wants to fix your story. And God wants to use it to touch other people who are usually within the same situation as where you have found yourself. You know, we, we have this myth that you cannot really do anything for God until you get your act together. We say that, I've already mentioned it once. That's impossible. You can't get your act together and then do the things of God. You need to get with God and allow him to get your act together. It's kind of like putting the, the cart before the horse. We do this thing kind of backwards. You know, I look at the different stages of my life. And there's moments where I'm very excited at what God has done. And there's moments I'm going, God, why in the world did you allow me to go through that? I could have really went without that. But then when I look at the results from it all, I go, I see. 
I see what you allowed through my dumb, through my dumb decision making. Has anybody ever made dumb decisions? Some of you didn't raise your hand. That was a dumb decision. All right. Yeah, we have. We've made some really poor choices. And it's caused us to go into what we call seasons of developmental moments that God can use. You like that? Seasons of developmental moments that God can use. My, my question here, though, is are you allowing God to develop you in that time? First John uh, 3, 16 through 18, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, what did he do? He laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. You know, there's some things that I have gone through, through those developmental moments of poor decision-making on my end, that God is allowing me to be able to minister to others because of it. It would never be if I didn't allow God to come in and get involved and begin to rewrite my story. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I wanna stop there for a second because I read a story, uh, or actually I read a Facebook post yesterday from one of my friends. And her, and I, I think it was like her two kids, they were, they were out and about somewhere. I, I don't recall where they were, but she wrote this really nice uh, post. And um, they were out, they were eating somewhere. And her little boy saw an individual who appeared to be uh, homeless or at least really in a bad position. And the little boy looked at the mom and said, mom, what is he doing? She said, well, I think he's trying to get something to eat. And, and the guy was in the trash cans, eating half-eaten donuts, things like that. And the little boy goes, well, we can't allow that to happen. We need to go get that man some real food. And the mom instantly right there, and, and maybe some of you might be friends with her. You read the post probably, but she learned a lesson in that moment that we're to demonstrate God's love. You know, a child's faith is so much more greater than ours sometimes, isn't it? So much more pure. But when we do this and we allow God to get involved in the story of our lives, it takes the pen out of ours puts it right back into him. And watch this, our story ends up turning to be something great, great. First Timothy, I'm, I'm jumping the gun here on this scripture before my last point, so follow me here, Joe. First Timothy 1, 15 through 17 says this. This is a trustworthy saying, okay? It says, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them. This is Paul speaking. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too, or you too, can believe in him and receive eternal life. We're receiving a gospel message right there. Verse 17. All honor and glory to God for whatever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. And what does the church say? Amen. Amen. Rahab 
would, would, would tell us one final thing this morning, and this is it. God signs his name to your story. Thank him. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for rescuing me. Thank you, God, for my family, for my wife, my kids. Thank you, Lord, for the calling that you have placed on my life. Thank you that I get to pastor what I feel is the greatest church. That is my testament. What is yours? Stand with me this morning. Who is writing your story? Think on that statement. Think on that question. Who is writing your story? Is it you? Oh, hold on, hold on, watch this. Are we allowing the, the presence of social media write our story? Are we allowing the, the voices that have become so loud within society, within this world to write our story? I'm big on this one. Are we allowing emotion to write our story? You know, we, we, we have, I have three words that I've implemented for this church and that is learning, passion, and excellence. You've heard me say this periodically and I'm gonna be saying it more and more. It lines up with our vision. There's nothing that will ever take place of the word of God. And this is where the learning comes. You must have knowledge of the scripture. You must gain wisdom and direction from this holy book. And that's where the learning part is. And then the passion follows behind. And what is that? That is your emotional response. If you're always allowing the word of God to be ahead of your emotion, then I believe you will strive to live your life excellence when it comes to Jesus Christ. Are we perfect? No. But who's writing your story? I'm not perfect, but I'm doing everything I can every day to allow God to write my story. Are you doing the same? I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I wanna ask you this question. Do you know who Jesus Christ is? And if so, is he the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your life? Have you made the choice as I did many years ago now to say, Jesus, Jesus, the story that I've written is going all wrong. It's not lining up with your plan, purpose, and will. It's not lining up with why you created me, Jesus. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he your master? Is he your savior? Before you leave here today, I wanna to make that opportunity to be yours. If that's you today and you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, and you wanna make that choice today, all I want you to do is slip up that hand. See those hands. See that hand. I see them. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. I know we go through this each week, but that's okay because lives are being changed. 
Let's pray. Jesus, today, I accept you into my life, into my heart. Be my Lord, be my master, be my savior. Forgive me my sins. Lead me in every step of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Now, if you said that prayer today with me and you have not received one of these, it's free to you. It's what's my next step? It's an easy read. It's great. It even gives you a little devotional, explains the next steps of your Christian walk. I want to get this into your hands and I want to pray a prayer just with you. So come and see me after the service. But many of us here, maybe your story doesn't line up just like Rahab's, but you could see some comparisons, even as a Christ follower, where you're still allowing yourself to take control of that pen and to write out what you think needs to be written. We need to get to a spot where we're letting that go and saying, God, you know what? I'm messing this up more than I'm helping it. I think we could all say yes to that one. I'm messing this up more than I'm helping it. My story is quite honestly gotten pretty boring and I need you to pick up the pen. I need to relinquish the pen. I need to give it into your hands. I need you, Jesus, to write my story. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna say, that's me. Because there's often times where I go, I know what's best. I've got this in control before I've even taken it before the Lord. And I wanna say, is there anyone else here today who could lift up your hand with your pastor and say, I need God to write this story. I need him to take over and to be in charge. Let's pray this prayer. Lord, you see every lifted hand and more importantly, every heart. But first God, we ask for forgiveness. We're sorry, God. We repent right now. And by, what I, by meaning repent, Lord, we are one, willing and wanting to change our way right now, turning away from writing our own stories, writing our own chapters, and allowing you, Father, to write the chapters, to write the entire story so that your purpose, plan, and will can be fulfilled. Because Lord, I understand it's not just for my happiness, it's not just for my comfort, but it's for others who are around me that my story will impact others. Our story, God, impacts everyone that's around us. You know what, God, my prayer today is that our, our mindset could be like that little boy. That when we see that need, that we go, you know what, something's gotta happen here. Something different has to be the result instead of the same old result over and over again. Lord, give us a heart of compassion in love and understanding that you have. May we act on that, Father. May we not look <clears throat> at other people as downcasts or outcasts or rejects, but may we look at them as saying, they are a son and daughter of you. Help us, God, as we move forward from this moment to relinquish the authority that we have given over our lives and just place it all in your hands. Say, God, write this thing out. 
Because Lord, I know that your plan and what you want done and the way you want it done is far greater than what I could ever do. So God, from this moment on, take full control. And Lord, as we leave this place today, we say this prayer as the psalmist said, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you. Have a great weekend. See you next Sunday.